Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, on this glorious All Saints Day observed. A reading from the early church fathers, you get some of the oldest statements and theological looks at the church from the second century talking about All Saints. We get Irenaeus of Lyons who says, God's glory is man alive. I've always thought of that to be theologically courageous and even a brash statement to sort of imply that, that anything that man is, does, or, or has his being applies to the glory of God. But then affirmation echoes with a special irony on a, on a day like today where we celebrate our beloved saints who have gone on to their eternal rest. Today... We honor our dead. But we honor them in the full knowledge and understanding that they are not dead. They are alive and they are alive in Christ and they are just as much alive in Christ as we are alive in Christ. For their eternal life started when our eternal life started. Completed upon the cross of Jesus Christ. Life is such a, a precarious possession. Especially when, when death dances all around us. Death lurks on our streets of North Charleston, on the plains of Syria, the sidewalks of Chicago. The problem, of course, the whole problem with the glory of God is man alive, is what does it mean that man be alive? And it can mean a lot of things. Clement of Alexandria points to three facets of man being alive. He points to man being alive as number one, just life. Meaning you haven't managed to die yet. It's just continuing path after path around the sun. Second point is the good life, which is better than just managing to stay alive. It's managing to, to be alive and to be alive well. And then he points again to eternal life. Which he says is, is different than the good life and completely different than just managing to be alive. At first we have just life. This is just sheer life as it is. The glory of God is in creation and creation itself. For a human being to be alive, for a human being to breathe, for us to simply be, is in itself a glorious thing. Not because it's somehow better to be than to not to be. But because to be alive at all is only possible because of the gift of our Lord God Almighty. We hold that human life comes directly from God. That He has knit us together within our mother's wombs. That He has breathed life into us at the very first part of our conception. That is a glory unto God. But God gives not as we give. I mean, when we give, we give hand to hand, right? If I were to give you $1,000, you would be richer $1,000. Yay, but I would be poorer $1,000 because I don't, I don't just write those. I don't, I don't create those. I mean, somebody just makes them up. But I don't, I, it's not my job. I don't get to do that. It'd be a cool job to have, but... 
God doesn't give that way. You see, when God gives life unto us, it doesn't, it doesn't cost Him life. It's not like God is shaving off pieces of Himself to give unto us. When God gives us life, we have life and He has life. And we know this theologically because it says it in the Bible. We are alive because He is alive. Man alive is a glory unto God. Simply because we are. What makes you human, what makes you set apart from the lions and the tigers and the bears, is that you have this precious gift of God. This ruach that God has put in you. You have the power to know, you have the freedom to love, that you are somebody. You are some person. You are like God. Made in the image of God. That is why life is human human life is sacred. All of it is sacred. Because we bear the mark of the sacred when we bear witness to the imprint of He who is. And He is and thereby creates us and makes us who we are. And so all of God's creation cries out, handle with care, handle with reserve, handle with with glory. Because we are indeed, simply by our being, simply by our created, by our creator, we are... A glory of God. Now I'll not abide the ecologist who thinks that that God is in the air or God is in the mountain ash or the pomegranate. There is a creator and there is a created. And yet human life mirrors divine life so much. The intelligent Christian is sensitive to that life. We're sensitive to that life that God has given unto each and every one of us. Life of my beloved dog. It's something that I understand. And I respect it. But my Odie is not me. He does not rise to the life of human life. I'm respectful of my two oak trees in my yard. Although my neighbor hates one of them with every fiber of her being. Because it rains leaves into her yard. I don't know how they did that or when they started doing that. But they do. But we respect life. We respect life in its twilight. We respect the life of the unborn. We, we respect the life of the age-worn, of the sick and the broken and the unstable. Granted, we may find it difficult to demonstrate that a fertilized egg is instantly a human, and we may also agonize over what drugs to withhold from a cancer-ridden, coma-fogged lump of clay on a bed. And we're torn by the things that God tells us, the fights that we see in public. What rights do we give to all human beings and what rights do we enforce upon everybody by law? But these are details. They're not the concepts, they're the details. They're the details of an inescapable human problem, a call for ceaseless probing and ceaseless conversation about what it is to be human. The problems of which men and women, even of goodwill, may ultimately sometimes disagree. 
God's glory is man alive. Sheer human life mirrors he who is. Our second fact, we talk about God's glory being man alive is being a, a good life. And I don't, I, don't, I don't mean, when I mean a good life, I don't mean necessarily wine, women, and song. Although a, a nice beer and my wife and Netflix sounds like a really good evening to me. It sounds perfect. But in Christian thought, you're not genuinely alive just because you're not medically dead. In fact, you are not humanly alive just because you have a body, just because you have a mind, just because you have understanding, just because you have a heart. Every dictator from Herod to Hitler had a purpose. They all had a passion. They were almost always charismatic. They could almost always endear themselves to anybody that they talked to. They were, as they say, high energy people. And whether it was the newborn babies in Bethlehem or the aged folk in Dachau, sinners can be astonishingly alive, especially in their sin. We are capable of some of the most heinous acts. Saul breathed slaughter in Acts chapter 9 on the road to Damascus. Augustine was in love with love itself. The semi-pagans from Carthage, every fictional daredevil with the morals of James Bond we see arrayed upon the silver screen. Knowledge, freedom, power are the unbreaking ground of human catastrophe. The good life is so often located in the loci of desire. And desire breeds knowledge. And the human spirit never will call a halt to the things that we need to know, to the things that we ought to know. We are, as we say, incurably curious. And that pursuit of knowledge leads us to some pretty interesting theories. The geneticist will continue to probe the properties of the sickle cell. Hemoglobin physicists will continue to blast rockets to Mars. Cars will drive themselves eventually. I've changed my mind. I think they're going to become drones. Right? Amazon is going to perfect their drone technology, dropping off packages in the back door so that the porch pirates stay away from it. At least they'll have to jump the fence to steal our stuff. After that, we'll just start renting our rides from Amazon. We'll go out and call Amazon and say, come pick me up. And they'll come and pick us up and take us where we're going to go. It'll be great. Maybe. <laughs> this quest for knowledge and technology, I can only look to myself alone. Or it can bring another person together in truth and love and respect Knowledge can destroy, but it can also unite. Knowledge can kill, it can also create. Knowledge can, can give us an increase of compassion, or it can breed envy and hatred and war. Our knowledge, our awareness, ought to mirror God who is with us, for us. Let us direct our energies towards compassion. Let us direct our energies towards creativity that leads to peace and unity and love. 
For the God that I would mirror with my spirit is the God of whom understanding and love are one. God the Father whose self-reliance is a gift of love, be it be an atom that I know or a person. The way by which my knowing is genuinely human is if it leads from love, if it leads from love, there is authentic human life because it images God's own life and that life is self-giving unto us. It's triune. Where there is indeed an I, I and thou, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but there's no mine and thine. It's creational. And by I, I mean to in, infer that the good life is abundant life. And that abundant life is shared in community. Shared when we give of ourselves to our friends and our neighbors and our countrymen. And we do that in service, out of love. It's redemptive. And by I mean, it's redemptive and God has delivered himself unto death. God has delivered himself unto death that we may come alive. That we may have a good life. Not just merely succeed in not dying, but that we be of service to friend and neighbor and community and to do so in love, to give as God gives unto us. Never ending, deep pocketed, open hand, a good life. It means knowing where to leads to love. It suggests a third facet of man's divine understanding of life, namely eternal life. It's not easy. It might even be impossible to say that there's a good life that comes from or leads to eternal life. You see, eternal life, as Jesus puts it, as Jesus puts it, is to know the only triune God, Jesus Christ, in whom He has sent, John 17, verse 3. To love God... And to love his Christ that he had sent. To love every human being with the love born out of God. Born out of God's grace given unto us. It has its roots not in the present but in the past. This new life springs from Jesus' death upon the cross. On his death, Jesus earned everything that we needed for the salvation of our souls. Forgave all of our sins. And thereby gives us the power to forgive those that sin against us. This is the power of God. This is eternal life made manifest in how we serve friend, neighbor, countrymen. It has its roots in the past. And it looks to the future. Ceaseless life. And still there's a here now in reality. Eternal life has its beginning in the cross of Jesus Christ. It has its end. 
as we are collected unto Him as He has promised. But it still has a here and now as Jesus says. If any man love me, Jesus proclaimed, my Father will love him and we will come to Him and we will make our home with Him. God lives within us. Eternal life is especially that intimate presence within our life. It is the indwelling of the Trinity of God. It is God here with me. It is the source of God in my activity. It is transformative in its thinking. It transfuses into the kingdom of God. It is in its genuine self. It is my life and not just life. And not just a good life. But eternal life, which has its place in the past, its fulfillment in the future, but lived right now. This is a mystery of grace, not something that everybody will know. But those of us fused in eternal life with God Almighty, on God's side, grace of God has offered Himself unto me, communicating His life unto me, transforming me, shaping us into a cruciformed life. Grace is God's presence in a new way. Man responding to God in a new way. I can love with Father, with the Son, like the Son, because of the Son, through the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within me. This life from Christ is not easy to grasp. It may well be that you can understand it only by living a cruciformed life. Only by living as Christ has given us and granted us to live. By putting us into families. Putting us into places where we are best suited to serve. And may well be that Augustine was profound when he wrote. Give me someone who loves and he will understand what I'm trying to say. Give me someone whose heart yearns, who is hungry, who feels the nostalgia for the loneliness of in his exile. Those that thirst and sign for their fatherland eternal. Give me such one as these and he will understand what I'm trying to say. But if I must explain myself to ice cold indifference and sin, he may not ever understand. Sheer life. A good life, eternal life. Are you not surprised that it comes and committed through God, touches lives, lives with awe and wonder and fear and trembling? If God, if God's glory is in you and in your life and in your day, dare you glorify in anything less than that life? Dare we glorify in anything less than the loss of life? Dare we glorify in anything less than death? For in Christ, death is overcome. The enemy is overcome. And we live. All of us. We live. Even after the ones we love have fallen asleep. They already had eternal life. It's just a stage. And God be praised. For the glory of God is life. Amen. Let us rise.